Welcome, one and all, to your WandaVision podcast by Fantastic Geek, the official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. But I don't need you to tell me who I am. The WandaVision podcast by Fantastic Geek for Episode 9, the series finale. It's brought to you by all-natural formula Squeaky Shine, using the power of Mother Earth. Though the season, nay, judging on the episode title, the series uh, wrapping up here, concluding this week. Pete, not the end of the road for our WandaVision podcast by Fantastic Geek. Of course, next week, Disney Plus will offer, offer up Marvel Assembled uh, for WandaVision, and uh, we'll be watching that and taking that uh, into consideration as we talk about our series wrap this time next week. Yes, for those that might not be uh, familiar with this model, so with The Mandalorian, uh, Disney Plus did what they called a gallery. Uh, came out about four or five months after, seem to remember, like May time frame. Uh, there was basically a mini documentary uh, behind the scenes type of situation. <clears throat> they did just one episode on Christmas Day for Mandalorian season two. It would seem that has now become the model for uh, Marvel. Uh, branding it, of course, Assembled. So they're going to give you one of those. We will uh, wrap both the series with that information and everything else, uh, considering the nine-episode run here. But Matt, two weeks from today, we will be podcasting the first episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, There are already the two uh, Cliff Notes-style uh, what did they call those uh, legends, right? Yep, Marvel, Marvel legends, legends. Uh, that hit on Friday uh, that are up. Uh, so we will incorporate those into our uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier series preview. And then, boom, you know, uh, Friday, March 19th, and the uh, debut of Falcon and the Winter Soldier comes along for the sixth episode run there no surprise suddenly nine episode situation now that we've kind of cleared that up uh nine or six seems to be the model right now we know there'll be a little bit of a break in that loki's been pushed to uh june 11th probably because we're gonna get black widow in there some way shape or form and uh all of it matt will be brought to you by fantastic geek Indeed, can't wait to continue the party with you, Pete, with all the listeners over there on the Falcon and the Winter Soldier feed, and uh, and nay beyond there as uh, as Marvel continues to be offering up content. I mean, I'm looking at their our, our official and prospective calendar, Pete. We have stuff penciled in all the way through. I mean, we're projecting Ms. Marvel starting in August. We're projecting Hawkeye starting shortly before Halloween. Um, again, those projections are not official, but lots and lots of fun ahead uh but of course and, Pete... and the potential for i mean scheduled for four marvel cinematic universe movies this year peppered in there as well and that's just the marvel end of the stuff that we do pete so much ahead of us but first of course let's dig on into the series finale here's the story 
of a lovely lady. Pete, what's the story? As Agatha restrains Billy and Tommy, Wanda points out that her powers work outside Agatha's basement. But she's counting on that is Agatha. She yanks the boys back and Wanda fires a blast at Agatha, sending her down the street. Wanda orders the boys to go to their room and they go despite wanting to help. Wanda fires again and Agatha absorbs it, explaining she takes power from the undeserving. Wanda looks at her hands and they appear drained, although not to the level of the witches in Salem. That absorption of power, it's kind of Agatha's thing. She wants all the powers, and once she gets them, she offers up, uh, allowing Westview to stand. With that, uh, some of the off-to-the-side red wiggly-woos, Wanda hits her with a car from behind. Pete, that's Germany style. Uh, The car and Agatha end up in the house. All that's left are her boots. That's Wizard of Oz style. Pete, we have cinematic references left and right here. With that, White Vision arrives, and Wanda is surprised. Pete, my wife was surprised because she was expecting Blue Vision. And I was like, no, it was blue light, and and oh, maybe that should have been slightly clearer for the non-comics uh, aficionado. But regardless, it's White Vision. Uh, he strokes one side of her head, then the other. Then he starts to squeeze her head. Um, How about that sound effect? <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely a powerful moment. Um, He was told that she was powerful. And then Pete, OG Vision, saves the day uh, to to start what is now revealed to be Pete, the greatest actor to ever uh, act opposite of Paul Bettany, at least in his joking estimation. It is Paul Bettany. Vision in color. And he RVs white Vision there. Uh, Wanda says that she should have told Vision everything, but she's going to fix this. Can she, though? Vision wonders. Uh, Agatha reappears to taunt Wanda about the awkwardness of her ex and her boyfriend together at the same party. Uh, But this is their home, and they're prepared to fight for it. The Visions head up while Wanda flies off and Monica pounds on the window from inside the uh, prisoner of super speeding Pietro. We see the visions fighting above the town. Uh, This seems to be a fair fight, sort of Superman red versus Superman blue, if you will. Uh, The show moves to the relocated S.W.O.R.D. uh, mobile HQ, where Jimmy Woo is under arrest, and Hayward is ready to take his victory lap. There's no footage, no evidence of malfeasance here. Everything will be blamed uh, on dead Wanda. Put at her feet, Hayward the hero. If only Jimmy had more vision. (laughs) You see, Pete, it's uh, wordplay. It is. There's a phone here that Jimmy eyes and then serotipously uh, steals uh, that this is part of the construction of what's going on between the two of them and leads, of course, to a magic trick. Matt, you know, so much pointed out Wanda's magic, Agatha's magic. Okay, Uh, 
vision brought back through magic. Can we also include Jimmy Woo as a magician in this show, please? Pete, I look forward, today's Sunday, I look forward to tomorrow or Tuesday's um, buzzy website listicle explaining how Jimmy using magic is actually a reference to (laughs) the film Ant-Man and the Wasp in which he expresses an interest in magic. You see there? Flourish. Not only, Matt, does he free himself here with a safety pin, again, with that flourish, but also conjures an entire unit of the FBI from Quantico. Beat that, Agatha Harkness. With that, Wanda flies into town square. Everyone is so modernly normal, uh, at least appears to be. Agatha zaps her. Time for more witch versus witch action. Uh, We are told that there is an entire chapter related to uh, the idea of the Scarlet Witch in The Darkhold. You know, the the book. Pete, that's the book of the damned, which. uh, The the one from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Marvel's Runaways, Matt? Um, So it would appear. It has as a power the ability to change its cover? Uh, Pete, so it would appear. Um, I I think that. I suspect that. Late at night on the uh, Disney Burbank offices, Kevin Feige may sit in his office in the dark and laugh and say, they don't know that it secretly is an alternate dark hold. <laughs> but uh, yes, you know what? It still can be hashtag. It's all connected. And uh, Pete, I like to think it's the exact same dark hold. Oh, it's completely the exact same dark hold. And we will talk about that in theories in this town square scene, Matt, uh, the idea behind the Scarlet Witch in the Dark Hole that she is not born, she is forged. We see in the Dark Hole the crown slash headpiece on the drawing of the Scarlet Witch here, who needs no coven, has no need for incantation. Uh, Wanda protesteth, though. Not a witch. I don't cast spells. Nobody taught me magic. Uh, But we are told, Matt, that uh, Wanda, the Scarlet Witch's power, exceeds even that of the Sorcerer Supreme, which is an Easter egg, is it not, Matt? (laughs) Um, (laughs) You kid, of course. I will say this, Pete. It's a good reminder at that line that, (laughs) speaking of alternate timelines, alternate universes, in the earth where there was no covid we would be watching this episode uh perhaps now in march perhaps april uh somewhere in there but we would have been looking forward to doctor strange and the multiverse of madness in may uh that of course now pushed all the way back to one year from now march 2022 um but the original plan was all of this stuff even if we're even if we're not going to get uh, the Doctor Strange cameo or things of that sort, that we would have said, whoa, they said the thing here, and at the end of the episode, they did the thing. What does it all mean? I don't know. Let's go to the movies in six weeks, all together. Everybody pack on in, and we'll all breathe big sighs of relief that we get to be in the movies together. Best laid plans and so forth. Uh, and indeed, Pete, Wanda claiming ignorance against all of this. But told as well that it is her destiny to destroy the world uh but that's not what she says that she is um and with that agatha releases Dottie, really named sarah who has an eight-year-old daughter 
wants her daughter let out of her room. We've told, told before how, you know, there are children at some times in Westview and not at others times. Obviously, a sympathetic tip to uh, Wanda's own children, not really alive, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and then Agatha cuts all the other strings to the rest of the meat puppets. Um, indeed. I mean, this, this reveal here from Dottie slash Sarah, you know, it, it underlines, I think the wrongness of what Wanda has done in an episode where we're going to get a lot of victory and, um, heroism from her albeit a great cost at the end but it's a reminder here that things certainly uh, are not right the story moves back to pietro's man cave a place where he can just chillax from the missus uh it is revealed that his name is ralph ralph boner uh an actor judging by that headshot there uh he laughs the name off uh, then gets smacked to the ground uh monica reasserting her powers she notes the purpley uh magic controlling beads pulls them off nice to see you ralph as uh as pete as that little magic trick played upon the audience reaches its conclusion uh followed up with the visions here flying the boys watching and then billy has visions of his own of what's to come back in the town square wanda is confronted by her neighbors here norm explains that when she lets them sleep they have her nightmares think definite story point moving forward after this series uh but she says they're supposed to be at peace Dottie says they can all feel her pain. Mrs. Hart adds that their grief, her grief is poisoning them, uh, that they should be let go or just let die. And it's with this that uh, Wanda starts to take down the hex that Hayward is going to take advantage of. Not before she magically chokes everyone, oops, by accident, again, kind of hammering home that you know everything that wanda doing here is it has a central flaw to it um this idea also that heroes don't torture people great line from agatha Uh, but as you say pete the walls of the hex start to get both lifted and opened it's vertical and horizontal uh the townspeople are told to run uh which is good by the way pete since it it did occur to me and I i know i've mentioned this for many many podcasts Uh, All of this town square uh, and, um, you know, outside the house kind of stuff, all of it presumably uh, filmed after the COVID shutdown and so forth. So, Pete, it's handy that all these townspeople can go run away and go distance, you know, out there, outside (laughs) the hex. Um, And, of course, that gives Hayward the opportunity to enter. The Visions fight continues. Uh, They are evenly matched. But as the hex walls fade, we see so does OG Vision. Ultimately, he lands in the town square, glitching and in pieces. The boys are there as well. They are glitching and fading away as well. Uh, Agatha explains that Wanda's family can't exist without the hex. At this point, Wanda closes the wall. And we see Agent Wu looking on just as the other agents start to arrive. With that, uh, Agatha here starts again to try to drain 
Wanda. Uh, we've got White Vision. We've got Sword. All converging, Matt. Um, the family, the boys, uh, had never prepared for this, but they were born for it. Uh, Vision punches Vision into the Westview Library, and this begins that face-off uh, of not Vision and Vision uh, that is both simultaneously Vision and not Vision. Uh, the conditional uh, situation that's taking place and white vision requests elaboration to pause that in the square Agatha grabs the sword agents but Wanda saves them Wanda directs the boys to handle the military and then as I'm watching this episode the first time and we arrest Hayward at the end I'm kind of like what's his uh, arraignment sound like you are hereby charged Tyler Hayward with, and I can't really come up with what he'd be charged with. To me, it's a little bit more on rewatch. Okay. He took a shot at imaginary children, <laughs> uh, which is stopped by Monica. Yes. I think that, uh, Earlier in the week, series director Matt Shackman uh, had, uh, I think very purposely, I think as part of a very concerted PR effort, had kind of said, these theories are really great. Oh, so many of you are so much smarter than me. Uh, don't be disappointed if a lot of these theories don't come true. Our focus was always on Wanda and her story. Great job there bringing it back to have Bettany Maya Culpa, Good Morning America on ABC, owned by Disney. The joke was, it was me versus Bettany, Bettany v. Bettany, don't look for Krasinski. Great job resetting our expectations, I think, to the show that they made. Um, they rode the buzz up, they rode it on down. That said, Pete, even if we remove, you know, no Krasinski, no Cumberbatch, and, and all that, that's fine. That's okay, right? We, we knew, like I said, Shackman said, be prepared for the story of Wanda. Um, did we fully do justice to a Hayward arc? Did we fully do justice to a Monica arc? Uh, did we fully do justice even, you know, I'll discuss this later in the episode, but did we even do a proper curtain call for all our... Uh, very stalwart townspeople, you know. I, I did we have a Wanda landing and ending? Absolutely. Do we do right by her family? Uh, absolutely. Heartbreaking as it was. <laughs> Oftentimes, these Marvel movies have a good ending, not a great ending. And I think maybe there's some of that here, but but we'll get to that in due course. I don't get too far ahead, but did want to just note that. Hayward rolls on up here so that he can essentially be rolled into later and arrested. I would dispute the notion that we don't have a full Monica arc as the B story of this series. I think it's absolutely complete. And then, you know, added to by the first tag scene uh, with a trajectory moving forward. So I think that's definitely complete on the subject of Hayward little bit more we want to talk comic nay cartoony uh in terms of even if a quote unquote villain and i dig the subtlety with agatha 
clearly Catherine Hahn is a piece of performer moving forward for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I think it'd be silly to one off her. And I'm so, so grateful that doesn't take place, whether it's, hey, you're, you know, supporting cast in uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness or pop back up in another show or, you know, wind up in movie movies past that. I think it's a super smart move. Um, the idea of Hayward here. So Monica stopping the bullets, the yellow eyes, slowing them down. Billy stops the one she doesn't get to Hayward retreats, but here comes Darcy Lewis who T-bones him in the, uh, funnel of love truck. Uh, have fun in prison. And there's your series wrap for Darcy, who I think could have could could have gotten slightly better. But Pete, uh, in the library, the visions discuss the ship of Theseus. When the ship's plants uh, planks rot, is it a ship? If new plants are put in, is that the ship? The answer is that uh, neither are the true sh- ship, and uh, both are the true ship. Uh, neither Vision has the Mind Stone. OG Vision has no original parts. White Vision has no memories, but does have the data white vision realizes that he's a weapon to be controlled og vision no longer believes himself to be the true one perhaps if og vision revealed white vision's memories to him and we see them it's basically the most expensive previously on ever uh and uh the gem uh, the replacement gem momentarily flickering yellow then white visions eyes turn shall we say pete more human i don't want to uh wade too deeply into the debate of those eyes are robot or not robotic enough uh, but let's just say they are less robotic and more human paul bettany ain't going anywhere in the marvel cinematic universe you have a version of him that just flew up up and away to pop up in Armor Wars to pop up in uh, Doctor Strange 2, both, neither, ship of Theseus that right now, Matt. But back in the square, Agatha surveys uh, regular vision uh, as Wanda gets to drop on her and gives her the old wiggly woo treatment back to Salem 1693. Uh, indeed. Uh, we have uh, Agatha on that uh, on that uh, pole there tied to it. Wanda walks into the memory as well, noting that Agatha did this on purpose. We see the dead witches coming back seeking revenge. Uh, but from whom? Uh, the witches ultimately are calling for Wanda, reaching for her. The mother witch calls Wanda the Scarlet Witch, the Harbinger of Chaos, they descend on her, and uh, suddenly uh, Agatha is uh, no longer tied to the post. It's stated that the problem isn't uh, Wanda's powers, uh, it's her knowledge. The uh, Scarlet Witch crown appears. Um, at this point, Wanda's also uh, been tied to the post. Um, if Wanda hands over her power to Agatha, then Agatha promises that the flaws of the spell can be solved. All can live in Westview in peace as Wanda wanted it to be. Wanda seems to consider it for a moment, perhaps for dramatic purposes, but ultimately she blasts herself free. 
the fight takes to the air here with uh, volleys shot back and forth vision going down to the children as they're all keeping tabs from below. And it's this great reveal between the scope of the battle and then what ultimately uh, is the end game at the absorption of Wanda's powers, as opposed to uh, figuring out what she is, who she is uh, and the idea that she had never been trained except Agatha really kind of gave her everything she needed here. And she's employed these runes in her hex in the given space. She has tricked Agatha with her own tricks and uh, finally defeats her. I have to say we have podcasted so much TV that oftentimes when there's a Chekhov's gun, when there's some sort of planted thing that, you know, uh, Lord of the Rings gift giving style, will you need this magic untying rope? Who can tell? Oh, it's the next movie. Here's the magic untying rope. Ta-da. Usually we can spot that a mile coming. Uh, then we had the previously on in this episode that showed the, the, the whole rule of the hexes again and still pete you know and then add to it oh no that shot missed that shot missed and then exterior as the fbi looks on look it's hitting that wall then it's hitting a completely different wall i did not see this coming until you know the first agatha well no power then you know, i mean clearly at that point something's up then they, they draw it out a bit there's a second no power and the reveal and so forth but awesome job because I I, I, don't, I did not see this coming. This was a really well-hidden, in-plain-sight, can I say it, Pete, magic trick? But Wanda saw it coming. The vision has now, uh, that, that's lowercase vision, not uh, capital vision, come true. She uh, has the Scarlet Witch uh, realistic get-up on. Uh, those of you looking really close might notice a lot of similarities to the getup that Magneto wore in the Fox uh, X-Men films. I think no mistake here in terms of the stylistic presentation. Uh, and what do we do here? We're not going to get rid of Agatha. Thank goodness. Okay. With the tremendous performance and, and love that Catherine Hahn is rightly garnered during this uh but we give her the role in westview that she assigned for herself that of the nosy neighbor and when we need her again for story or expositional purposes we know where to find her well i'm glad you mentioned expositional purposes i know later on the podcast we'll hear some feedback that questions you know so what is it? Is there a spell in Westview now or not, you know, with Agatha being left there? I think it's just a, um, I don't want to say a one-time spell, but a spell has put Agatha into the Agnes mindset, and then it's not an ongoing thing. It's just she's been set to Agatha mode, and now you can walk away, and everybody else in Westview is going to do their thing. They might be like... You mean Agnes mode? Agnes mode, yes. Thank you. Um, but... but to me, it's just, it's been set it and forget it, that kind of thing. It's not that there now is still a perpetual 
ongoing spell. It's just, you know, I mean, similar to uh, to Amnesia. It The event happened. The clunk on the head happened. Now we're going to move forward with that until until it is undone. So now we have the denouement of needing to deal with Vision and the children. And, I mean, that, of course, the real crux of this episode here um excellent job you know we we talk usually with a little bit of glee we talk about story clock i mean here the receding of the hex walls this this omnipresent countdown here as the town is slowly put back to normal um it is of course twilight inside the hex or it appears to be and wanda looks heartbroken as if on her way to a funeral uh the family of four enter uh you know, uh, House 2800 in casual modern garb. Uh, the boys are put to bed. Their parents saying goodnight one last time. Vision notes that their uh, mother and him are very proud of them both. Uh, Wanda says that family is forever. We get final hugs and kisses. And uh, both parents are tearful, even as they see the hex coming ever closer. Uh, I must confess, Pete, I, I know there is some... Uh, computer effect uh flourish done with uh with paul bettany's makeup so i don't know where the red stuff stops and where the where the computer stuff starts but i mean crying with the i can just imagine like don't cry too much because then we're gonna have to touch up your makeup for 20 minutes but <laughs> none of that on Bettany's and rust <laughs> indeed and you rust um but clearly none of that a concern here he's he, i mean they're both giving amazing performances he with the ever the, uh, the extra layer of makeup here Wanda thanks the boys for choosing her to be their mom and you know that that certainly that certainly hits as does uh what's ahead of us in the living room yes and what is now given birth to the Vishon meme of vision in the turtleneck here and people have taken uh that and had a lot of fun with it um but as again that hex is coming for him and it's completely cognizant in both the characters and the viewers' minds that this is an end for this version of the character. So to get, I say definitive answer, Matt, of, of what Vision is. He is sadness. He is hope. He is love. And uh, that story has a place for that metaphor to create a character. This season, this series, ultimately laid end to end, is about the grief of one woman for uh, the person she loves, as well as uh, the children they're at least not going to have for now or didn't have in this timeline. Um, so to finally get a well-earned goodbye other than, well, quick, you got to kill me because Thanos is coming to take the Mind Stone. Or uh, now I'm going to have to watch you die because Thanos just used the Time Stone to rewind time to get the thing that he needs. Um, or I'm going to find your remains, but I can't feel you, so I can't really say goodbye to you. Also, I can't uh, bury you um, and to you know move from the arc of the previous 
episode where we saw how Vision was created to the goodbye to a memory made real here, there's tremendous resonance. And I think it's such an effortless scene. It's not I don't that's not to say that it's effortless for us to watch. It's it's painful, it's poignant. There must have been discussions, you know, do we do the 30-second version? Do we do the 60-second version? They pack so much dialogue and meaning here, and that's respectful to the, you know, the, the eight and a half episodes that have come before this moment. It's respectful to the, the lengthy lineage of these characters in, in the MCU. Um, and yes, I mean... Look, everybody just watched White Vision fly up with new memories, and and you already have the story out. But to respect this moment the way they do, uh, with Vision wanting to know what he is, and this really lovely response, a piece of the Mind Stone that lives in her. He's a body of wires and blood and bone that she created. He is her sadness and hope, mostly her love. Uh, They kiss, and there's a solitary tear. He says that he's uh, been a voice with no body, a body without being human, now a memory made real. I know we on the podcast and our listeners and people on social media have thrown around, you know, Emmy, Emmy buzz and whatnot. Sometimes, you know, a sci-fi comic book show has an extra hurdle to get over, to get, to get nominated, to get noticed. Um, I think this scene is saying, no, we're ending this show on our terms, and oh, by the way, these are also human terms and emotional terms, and, and this may be this may be the scene that helps the show cut through awards buzz. It, and I don't think it's even written to be the awards scene. I just think this is when the show as a, as a spirit and the people behind it say, this is where we make our mark in the nine-episode run of WandaVision. Well, let's hope they get that recognition the same way that Wanda is recognized by the people she once controlled in Westview as she reunites in the town square with Monica here and their end to their connection, which I don't think it's going to be a surprise to anybody will pick back up at some point. Where this episode may come up a little short with uh, with having Monica as a full supporting character, Pete, I refer you to some of the uh, earlier Town Square scenes where I think uh, the instructions were, Tayana, just a little bit farther back. That's right. No, that's too far. The newbie out of frame. Just a little bit. Th- there, there you go. You're going to be out of focus. But you're going to be great. And action. I think we make up for it here with... Uh, Monica having the compassion and understanding for Wanda. Um, Monica, of course, noting that the townspeople will never know what was sacrificed for them. And and that compassion continuing as Monica wonders if she wouldn't have done the same thing to bring her mother back uh, if given the opportunity. Um, and that a very well-earned and a very touching moment. Uh, may I dare say, Pete, a heroic moment where you were finding sympathy and who was your opposition and trying to better to better understand their perspective the empathy that these two now completely powered women have for one another i think just a a bookmark to the resumption of their story later on wanda 
flies off here, but not before she takes one last look at Westview here in the in the hood before we go to maybe the biggest enemy of this series, the lengthy credits, but Matt, with two post-credit scenes, the first time ever in a Marvel Studios uh, uh, show, you know, for the first time in nine episodes. <laughs> this is true. Um, and I would also argue, I think sometimes in the movies, the mid-credit, more recently in the movies, the mid-credit is a handoff to the next movie and the end credit is a ha-ha. Sometimes they reverse. I think that the ending of this episode proper, you know, Wanda flying off considering the town one last time, I think it feels a little incomplete. I think it needs these mid-credits here. And to be fair, I guess on the one hand, I'm talking like, the, the, the post-credit scenes, mid-credit, post-credit, whatever you want to call it, the, these two scenes, on the one hand, I'm talking like they don't exist in the body of the episode. Of course, they're meant to be watched. These are not secret scenes anymore. We don't call yeah. them secret scenes anymore because you stay to the end. And it's not even like you're in the movie theater where you go, oh, man, I left because I had to go to the bathroom and I forgot. Like, you just, you know, you, you, you just fast-forward or rewind or whatever it is to get to them. So... Um, in this mid-credit scene, Wu is helping triage the town, go over there, collect evidence, and so forth. Uh, Monica is proud of him. I, I think in those couple of lines, this notion, Jimmy Wu, on his way up in the bureau. Um, where's Darcy? Well, she has left because uh, debriefs are for the week. Uh, to me, Pete, that a weak line? Um, maybe, for all I know, I don't know. For all I know, again, this whole portion made... In the age of COVID and so forth, I don't know if that was in any way a concern or, or something. So I feel like, my point being, I feel like there are certain things in this episode that you can give a little wiggle room to because of when it was shot and under the conditions it was shot and so forth. But we do see Hayward in cuffs, Justice Pete, what they will tell the judge. I guess that's a, a deleted scene for our hearts in terms of... Well, there were these kids that didn't exist, and then there was magic, but nobody knows it except for that lit. And the oh boy, but but can we give Darcy the credit? So she gets one line in this episode. She shows up after not being in the previous. She t bones Hayward and makes his capture possible. So though she gets little, her her arc is, you know, resounding. Her, her impact felt and it's completely within the character. Yeah. She ghosted because, uh, she, you know, Darcy Lewis don't, don't debrief and whether it's, you know, Thor love and thunder or one of these many other landing spots that she's going to have. I don't think we've seen the last of Darcy Lewis either. While I will disagree. Uh, well, I'll, I mean, yes, we're going to, we have plenty of opportunity to see more of her. Uh, I will disagree slightly that this is, the best ending for her in this show. I mean, what's the number one showbiz mantra? Leave them wanting more. Guess what? You did. Uh, and also, Wanted Pete is Monica, who's asked for in the theater. Um, the theater? Where they do the movies? <laughs> Indeed, Pete. It's, it's as empty as most theaters have been lately. Ah, the irony or the foresight. I don't know. Pete... Why isn't anyone in the theater there watching uh, the Blade Runner reference? Maybe they're all at home watching Disney+. Plus. I don't know. 
we have the uh i assume an fbi agent she's got the uh the the shield on not not an agent of, of shield matt who uh no pretense immediately transforms this because a friend of your mother's monica is this carol danvers is this talos is this some other scroll scrub we don't know the name of uh needs monica's help you know monica who had been grounded uh beginning of her arc in this fourth episode of of this series when she was uh returned to sword uh where does uh this friend of her mother's need help the scroll points up i don't think that's north and whether this is a handoff for the Secret Invasion show, which is uh, scheduled to begin filming in April, uh, if they're still on that, that time frame uh, with uh, Nick Fury, with, of course, uh, Samuel Jackson, will Monica be a part of that? We know, of course, that Monica will be in uh, Captain Marvel 2, which is getting ready to uh, get off the ground there. So lots of places that Monica's story could and will continue. Uh, For anybody who has complained, uh, and Pete, I don't think most of our listeners are actually complaining that there's no Fantastic Four handoff, no Mutants handoff. They were good theories while they lasted. The show, even before Shackman and Bettany were doing press in the last week, I think it was clear that the show was not headed in that direction. I mean, the Agatha all along reveal and the idea that, you know, wasn't, and Agatha reached into another universe and there's Patrick Stewart and there's, uh, you know, so on and so forth. And now we just pulled Pietro. Like it it was clear enough, but anybody who's going to complain, they didn't do enough setup for other things. We got setups for Captain Marvel too. We got setups, as you said, for secret invasion. We got set up for, um, for, uh, obviously Dr. Strange that we're about to talk about in a moment. Um, and I think we're of... going to see White Vision and Arbor Wars, you know, as a sentient weapon that has just run off on his own, uh, you know, with connections to Iron Man. We still have Iron Man around? No. Do we have his really good friend who does things with, uh, you know, weapons? Yeah, we have Rhodey, who we're going to see in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So there's there's a lot of churn into all these other things we still have coming. And in terms of connections, I'll mention one more. Uh, this isn't. This is quasi theory, but we're almost at the theory segment anyway. The the per the, the old friend up there. Um, let's not forget <laughs> Pete in our viewing past uh, July of uh, 2019 when we saw Spider-Man: Far From Home. The big reveal that Nick Fury was up there in the MCU timeline. WandaVision concluding in fall of 2020. Two or three. Anyhow, WandaVision is concluding in the fall and Spider-Man Far From Home taking place the following summer. So mm-hmm. there is potentially another connection as well. So fine, Pete. We didn't get Fantastic Four. We didn't get Mutants and so forth. We didn't get the Silver Surfer, etc. We only got... You didn't get them yet. Yet. That's true. Pete, can you take us 
officially to the post credit scene, which, if nothing else, can be some great footage for the eventual one-day creation. And I'm not saying it's been done yet, but one day, 10, 20, 30 years from now, when live-action Frozen is announced, it will, be, <laughs> it will take invocation from the, the establishing shots of this scene. Yeah, wherever we are, I mean, we're, we're led to believe this is Europe, maybe the, the foothills of Sokovia. But we have uh, Wanda uh, on the uh, porch of this little home, heads inside only to see another Wanda, this the Scarlet Witch. She is astrally projecting as she is reading the dark hold we get it's there it's perceptible the uh doctor strange theme we also get uh the voices of the boys crying out for wanda and uh we'll get back to that story at some point What's the deal with this episode? So, Pete, we are in the interesting position here where there's obviously uh, n- there's obviously not a lot of WandaVision ahead of us insofar as we know that there's not a secret episode 10. We discussed that last week. We know what portions of the story are clearly to be continued, like White Vision is out there, Wanda's out there, and so forth. Um But let's start with this theory uh, and a kind of quasi-real-world one. Yes, the episode is called The Series Finale. Last week, you were arguing for a bunch of valid uh, external reasons, you know, kind of production reasons and so forth, why this may or may not definitively be a one season and that's it versus some sort of continuation of this series. Where are you at? Is the series finale the series finale? Absolutely. The idea of these shows, yes, there are some that can, you know, go past one season, but there's others. This story, it's a beginning, middle and end. It's told. And now these characters will go into separate spaces. The idea that they can reconvene, but this story as it exists, this sitcom nature the, the novel way to tell it is over, is done. Uh, so to spin them off into all these different destinations to continue a cinematic and now uh, TV universe, um, yeah, it, it, it's what it was always designed to be. TV is not what it used to be in that the amount of connective tissue between episodes, let alone universes, you know, we see this with Star Trek. We see this with, uh, you know, other shows that are out there. You think of like your, you know, interconnected, like Shonda verse types of, of things. And here to have the biggest possible sandbox to play in, only makes sense that you can you know deposit them in these different spots and then allow them to interact with others the most tantalizing thing 
to think, Matt, and we raised the, the specter of COVID before, that we, we'd already be deeper. We'd already have Black Widow. We'd already have, uh, what, what, what would we have seen at this point? Eternals. Uh, we would have seen, I think that's just the two that we would have been it's promised it, to this point was there one that would have been pete in it's, february it's a yeah, stunning was... list um noel gardner actually had had reminded me of the graphic that we all you know this is probably from san diego comic-con 2019 2018 it's yeah, all a big i think blur. shang chi was the other one we would have seen at this point so he, here, he, he, here's the original slate as it was presented at one point again i think it was san diego comic-con either 18 or 19 somewhere in there black widow may 2020 falcon the winter soldier fall 2020 eternals november 2020 shang chi february 2021 so pete all of this is now behind us right because this is march but ahead of us Uh, but ahead of us as well then wandavision spring 2021 so i think you know there's enough flexibility oh and then i let me finish the thought here then doctor strange may 2021 so whether they were gonna have wandavision um theoretically back up to the friday before you know what would that be friday the the last friday in april then you go see dr strange less than seven days later whether they would have given it more time whatever it is but stunning to think that we have not seen black widow falcon and the winter soldier eternals or shang chi it's (laughs) it's an alternate existence pete uh and yes these show yes there's there's this interconnected nature to it all i think it's a good reminder that Part of the reason that Feige and uh, Esposito and and uh, Jackson and whatnot, why, why the whole Marvel brain trust, they oversee it all and they hire people to say, hey, Jack Schaefer, go create the best uh, WandaVision show that you can. Obviously, you know, Marvel HQ is involved, but you go make the best WandaVision show that you can. Oh, by the way, uh, you got to end like this or you have to hear a certain you know, unconditional things that you need to build in there for handoffs, but you go worry about WandaVision. We're going to go work, work all these pieces together. I think it's very fair to say that as big a hit as Falcon and the winter soldier is already projecting to be. And, and by all metrics, it's running ahead of the buzz on WandaVision that WandaVision as an entry point for Marvel Studios TV has been more successful than they hoped. There are people who got pulled into this that may have been aware of the the Marvel movies. Oh, here's a thing on I have on my Disney Plus now. This is unusual. Let me follow in it. You know, all of which, many of which listening now that whether you're a hardcore fan of the films, you know, whether, whether you're Mary Kirk or you're people who are are just getting with us for the first time. And we're going to hear all from them in the next segment. uh, This show has brought a lot of people along that, uh, you know, whether they're going to continue with Falcon and the winter soldier, uh, whether they've been sucked into this universe, whether they were there all along. Um, And I think, that's perhaps something that wouldn't have been the case. It, it's the serendipity of where we are in this universe. And I think, too, I mean, it speaks to um, 
what I think is clear now, this this desire that Kevin Feige has that's not just make stuff that is successful, but to really be authentic in different kinds of representation. Pete, it this ultimately, WandaVision is, is ultimately a show about um, a bunch of topics that traditionally one would consider to be female topics. Um, motherhood, I mean, obviously... <laughs> Women tend to, or mothers tend to be women, but you know, topics of um, motherhood and uh, trying to be a provider and the whole work home life thing. Uh, granted, t- the in show, in show Wanda, you know, inside the, the, the Westview anomaly, um, she's not a working mom, but she's working every day with those, you know, with, with the magic, with the illusion and whatnot. Um, working maintaining, overtime, man. <laughs> what's that? Working overtime. Absolutely. Um, you know, maintaining uh, a marriage, relationships, and so forth, and and to do so in this way that feels both authentic and is also about a witch who's married to a robot and has, on a certain level, and, and pardon me for kind of intentionally garbling this here, but you know, they have like ghost children and what, like it's it's all ridiculous, but also super grounded, um, and clearly that was kind of part of the intention of it, but to to lead the way with Marvel TV, that wasn't the plan. And I agree with you, the buzz for Falcon and the Winter Soldier is through the roof. Boys fighting boys and punching each other a lot. I, you know, how much, are, how much theorizing are we going to do there versus the, the kind of the safe space, if you will, of the theorizing that existed for this show, which is to say, for example, Pete, we had the, you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt now, we have the confirmation that, uh, you know, Pietro was was never Pietro. He was always fake Pietro and so forth. I don't want to say we got burned by that theory. Some people may feel that way, but this is a show about a fake show where there's magic and it was always suspect, right? The, the Is this Pietro or not? That was always, you know, is this 20th Century Fox Pietro or not? That was... It was always one or the other. This this was always a magic. All, all of these theory things that that landed or not, it was always about that second episode, if you will, where we know that it's a magic trick. We know that either the theory is going to pay off or not. And when they gave us the or not, it was like, oh, I thought you were actually sawed in half. Oh, I guess you weren't. It was a trick. We knew there was a trick all along. So I think that's why there isn't a ton of fan anger compared to other finales where, you know, I have a really good case why Daenerys should be <laughs> less than, or, or should be something other than the way she ended up at the end of the Game of Thrones uh, season uh, series. Those were really valid perspectives that fans had. For this show, you sit and go, here's all the reasons why it should have been Fox Pietro. And furthermore, you tricked me. But I knew it was a trick all along. I knew that there was a possibility of being tricked all along too, and not just because it's TV, because of the conceit of this show. And I think that's and it's where a safe yeah. place to do that trick. Um and and the acquisition of the Fox side of Marvel to be able to do that. So, you know, my contention is they deployed it in the best possible way. Okay. Is it a little wonky that Pietro has the powers of uh, Quicksilver, of uh, Wanda's Pietro? Oh, he was wearing a purple uh, necklace that now he doesn't have them anymore. 
It is, but again, you're in a town that is magic on autopilot. So it's all baked into the story. And if you're upset about that, then I'm guessing you're just upset about a lot in your life anyway. And I'll add to that, and I'm actually, I've been doing a little research off to the side here. I had read, um, I had read, online somewhere a really interesting point that uh, to be honest i had lost with amidst all this other you know fox x-men uh disney purchase stuff that the reason that she was not named scarlet witch until this series until more recently um was because fox had asserted ownership over that name i'm sure people remember back pre-age of ultron the whole tug back and forth uh, are they mutants because they are the ch- in the comics they're the children of um, of Magneto or are they Avengers because they've been invent blah 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 um, I don't know that that is true and I haven't been able to find kind of a, a a comprehensive answer one way or the other but if that is indeed the case or if it was just like regardless of what the legality is all right our agreement will be we'll use the character we won't say Scarlet Witch fine we'll sign the papers that you know well, lawyers saying it and having it on screen are a little bit different. And if you go to your Age of Ultron credits, Matt, you will see Wanda Maximoff slash Scarlet Witch. Pietro Maximoff slash Quicksilver in the credits. Okay, that's a, that, that's a really good catch. Um, but bottom line being, we got a more... Like, this is a much more satisfying journey having been through the nine episodes. And I must admit, Pete... I don't know the Scarlet Witch comics character well enough. Uh, Actually, I take that back. I think I've read in the last week or two how the notion of Scarlet Witch being a title, not the name she had when she first put on the spandex to go fight crime, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I think that's been explored in the comics. But it's it's a much better use than... Oh man, she's a witch with red, so we're gonna call her the Scarlet Witch. Like it, it's a more interesting origin story to get the origin story of the Scarlet Witch. for the first time since 20, you know, a character that's been around since 2014 in the MCU, uh, to get her origin story in 2021 is, is a feat in and of itself. It is. And I think they've handled it tastefully. And now there's this whole next chapter, you know, in the dark hold, which we're told has an entire chapter dedicated to her. Um, she's essentially been given an instruction manual on herself. Um, so to, to leave her absorbing that in the idea that we will have Dr. Strange multiverse of madness with her, uh, to explore all that. The other thing that Agatha tells her is, you know, do you know what you've done? Do you know what your destiny is? to destroy the world. Well, let's let's evaluate that statement. Destruction in the Daisy Johnson uh, destroyer of worlds mold, Matt, you know, agents of shield that you'll you'll crack uh, the world apart with the misuse, overuse of your powers versus well, what else could that mean to destroy the world? Oh, to fracture it into a bolt, bunch of possible realities where you might try to get your children that you can still hear that were never really real in the reality other than Westview. So there's a lot of story options 
and I think the exploration of so many of them, a la being able to bring in, um, you know, Evan Peters for a couple episodes and really get a lot of buzz out of that. Let, let's be honest, too. We had fun watching that, okay? If, if you didn't enjoy it and you weren't swept up in it and, you know, you're all sad that, but now the guy who's fast isn't really fast and isn't really her brother and isn't staying with us. Like, come on. Indeed, Pete, I'm reminded a little bit of a, of a much less mature Marvel Studios where when, um, when feedback uh, about some of the reveals for uh, what many consider to be a low point in the movies for Iron Man 3 and uh, the batting and that and so forth, they made the, the one shot, uh, All Hell of a King, to kind of retcon in the truth that the fans actually wanted. Um, and I think, I think Marvel Studios doesn't need to do things like that anymore, but could you get a line or a scene in the future where, you know, why did Agatha pluck Ralph of all people from the town? Why did she pluck him to play the Pietro role? Did she maybe brush up against the multiverse? And there were all these images and she happened to see, you know, Fox Quicksilver and go, Hey, that kind of looks like Ralph. You know, like you could do that kind of as a wink and a nod to say, you know, to say, yes, the WandaVision show operated within the, the rules of its own reality. And yes, you kind of got taken for a fun little ride. But if you need a little bit more of a story excuse, you know, it could be given in terms of, well, he was actually inspired by the guy you thought he was. But, but we got Ralph. We got Evan Peters. I would argue the, the best version of Quicksilver. Okay, so we didn't get an epic kitchen scene. We didn't get him clearing out uh you know xavier's school for the gifted okay these are still things that could be done down the road um with the dark hold matt we reached back into potentially agents of shield to marvel's runaways okay and let's remember that on agents of shield the dark hold was uh a point of entry for ghost rider uh, later brought us uh, Ada, okay, and all of the really fun LMD framework stuff, what you would argue the, the fourth season, a lot of people look to as the, the zenith of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. With Runaways, it was the key to uh, Morgan Le Fay in that final uh, third season, as well as Nika Minoru and Tina. Tina, who originally not the actress, but the character had appeared in the original Dr. Strange movie. So there's a lot of connective tissue that already existed. And with a book that we don't judge by its cover, Matt, because a power it has is to change its cover, uh, to be able to do that and have, Hey, if you want to go and, and see more dark hold story of what it can do, now you have, you know, season four of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And, and yes, it comes up a little bit later as well, as well as Marvel's Runaways third season, uh, the, the subplot that goes on there. Um, and it it both counts and it doesn't count. It is the ship of Theseus. Well, that's just it. And 
I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with some listeners slightly, but let me preface it by saying anybody who gets caught up in needing um needing story mom or story dad or executive mom or executive dad to define what canon is fan stuff this is not your religion you don't need you know you you don't need the diocese or the pope or whomever to tell you what counts and what doesn't um because at the end of the day we can all agree this is all pretend this is you know the the outcome of wandavision actually is not going to uh, inform where our souls are going to go in the afterlife or something like that, right? That said, I will just offer a slightly alternate theory because many people are like, they included the Darkhold. It's evidence that Kevin Feige loved Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and has embraced Marvel TV and all that. And that could be. Let me just say, if you want to exist in the gray where um, Marvel TV, for whatever reason, including... Jeff Loeb being a being in silly, being a silly goose and being put in career timeout by Kevin Feige. Um, if that Marvel TV stuff is going to exist in a gray area that is not fully embraced as canon and not not fully discarded either, um, you could have more than one Darkhold if there's more than one universe, right? So I just want to throw that out there, and I'm sure that that might put cold water on some people's grand unification theories and again i'm not saying i'm right i'm just saying that's another take too that the dark hold exists from the comics and there could you know there could be these multiple adaptations just as we are cool with the fox marvel stuff is separate for reasons that we are all clear on corporate and story separate from from uh the mcu the seeding of the people of westview experiencing wanda's nightmares when they sleep, I think also opens us up for multiverse of madness. Now she's got the dark hold. Now she is the Scarlet Witch fully. Uh, and and learning more about what that means for herself and what that means for the rest of the world. You know, the, the point of prophecy, either self-fulfilling or what gets projected is the the fun of the interpretation of it and you know could those nightmares extend to everyone in the world could that be part of what stephen strange is going to come up against you know this sorcerer who is not as powerful as the scarlet witch uh what what a what a force of opposition to have to counter in a movie yeah, and I think it it brings back into things the possibility of Wanda being the villain uh, in Doctor Strange two, and maybe a villain the way this show didn't have a villain for the most part, which is to say, you know, I'm here to destroy the world. That's one kind of villain. Another kind of villain is you want to do X and I want to do Y. Those two are different. Therefore, we are in opposition. I think that you could see you could see the Scarlet Witch being that form like she just need if only she could work a little bit harder she could rescue her kids from that alternate existence and that then is what leads to the multiverse um she'd be the villain in Doctor Strange's life she'd be the villain in his life story if you will the story of his movie 
um, but not necessarily somebody who has betrayed uh, our audience confidence. I mean, I think back to um, Captain America Civil War. Um, Zemo is not, I mean, Zemo is the bad guy, but what does he do? He frames one guy, he kills another. Is that it? He oh, and then he bombs the the thing. Like my my point being, in terms of comic book movies, the destruction he causes them small apples indeed. Why do Captain America and Iron Man and their two groups? Why do they fight each other? That's the real conflict. There's just some guy with a cell phone message of his dead family doing some things to be his own hero, to get his own revenge, to give his own protection uh, <laughs> of a lost Sokovian family. So I right. think there's and it's a story versus B story stuff. And here to combine these two with Wanda, with Dr. Strange to know that that's going to come to a head in that film. All right. We wait slightly longer for that, but they have a longer lead to be able to prep that. And I think, you know, of all the things to come out of COVID, the amount of writing, the amount of development time that's been allowed as a result of that. And yes, there are fewer things, although strangely, Matt, and I think you can, you know, uh, witness to this as well. You know, I'm not exactly like, what What can I watch? There isn't anything. I mean, heavens, though we did fewer podcasts in 2020 than we did in the previous year, uh, you know, an all-time high for Fantastic Geek. Every single year uh, until last year, was it a, a factor of there were fewer things coming out as opposed to fewer things coming out that we podcast? And now here we are having finished WandaVision, heading right into Falcon and Winter Soldier, Loki not far after that. I mean, Matt, we will probably be into a fifth Marvel show this year. I mean, not even the Marvel Netflix shows got that off. Um, so, you know, we're, a, we're ahead of a new high point and then four movies in a year. And then all the other projects that are coming both thematically films and then TV in this universe to come. And I just feel that's why it's pretty special that this was the one that led them off. I mean, are we going to have, well, you know, Bucky has this uh, uh, engineer friend who's going to show up and, and give him uh, another arm, you know, uh, Fantastic Four conversation. I, I kind of doubt it. I think they'll have their own mystery boxes. I think their mystery boxes will be more of the flavor of that show and less of the magic, potentially cosmic stuff that went on in this show. But you know, all signs point to this being the one in terms of uh, just out of the box buzz that Falcon and the Winter Soldier may not have been to be the first Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, you know, Marvel Studios TV show. Pete, now you raise the theory in my head that maybe when these story beats were sketched out. 18 months, two years, 36 months ago, whatever it is, maybe the discussion was, 
whoa, whoa, whoa. WandaVision is going to be twisty turny enough with all the different, you know, the different TV shows each week and the genres and whatnot. We already have enough twists and turns and Fantastic Four and mutant references in uh, in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which, as we all know, will come out months and months and months before WandaVision. Um, so let's not let's not further confuse people because they're still going to be wondering uh, when you know months and months after Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So, like, do we have those? Yeah, can we reignite all these theories for Falcon and the Winter Soldier just because historically they didn't pay off here? Well. It might have been meant to be that historically they got introduced at first when that first came out, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Timey-wimey. Pete, let me ask you this. Squarely about this episode, squarely about this series, can you please evaluate the following uh, statement, which which people have have earnestly shared in line, uh, which is this. They tricked us by getting Emma Caulfield to play Dottie. I mean... Why do you go and get Anya Jenkins from Buffy, Susan Keats from Beverly Hills 90210? Why do you get the woman who was in Timer, written by and directed by Jack Schaefer, why do you go and get that person if not to give her a big reveal? They tricked us. Your thoughts, Pete? Because you can. And I think, too, I kind of intentionally mumbled past the Timer connection there. Jack Schaefer wrote and directed a sci-fi romantic comedy independent film in 2009, which was the, by and large the beginning of Jack Schaefer's career. Emma Caulfield starred in that. Jack Schaefer, after writing Captain Marvel and writing Black Widow, which are important jobs, but if you know much about how Marvel Studios operates, writer is one cog in the machine, and at a certain point it's like, all right, good, you wrote, you wrote the words... You gave the story ideas. Thanks so much. Now we're going to edit. And the door the door is closing. The door, no, not invited. Um, then Jack Schaefer now is, cre- you know, uh, uh, what was the title she had? Head writer. Created this show. She dials back to her old pal who believed in her, Emma Caulfield, who, you know, doubtless took a pay cut for an independent movie, blah, blah, blah. Like, isn't that what you do? You help out people and sit and go, "Hey, we got our we, we, Dottie is going to be in like six episodes. Get some, get some bucks, get some screen time. It's Marvel." Like to me, that's a good enough answer. Yes, Emma Caulfield's wonderful. It also was a fake out. Again, it's a show about a magic person where they did some magic tricks in front of us. We were meant to wonder about Emma Caulfield's Dottie. We were meant to get tugged in different directions. I'm okay that that didn't pay off as it's the reveal, Pete, that she actually is this character or that character. Right. Like the, the seeming anger, and it's funny, Matt, the anger always comes after somebody then goes to YouTube and someone weaponizes their anger. It's never really before. Cause even if you finished the series here and you're like, huh and then you went on a dive wherever let's not completely blame youtube for all of the world's problems but a lot of them come out of there there's also twitter that has caused trouble in the last four or five years but hey yeah yeah so you know then suddenly you know you you you've had your mind changed on how you felt about it or someone else articulated what maybe uh you now feel is the case okay i i think 
I think that's a little soft in terms of uh, your interpretation of something. Um, a story is under no uh, compunction to deliver what you thought you were promised. And what were you promised? You were promised a sitcom style show about two superheroes, uh, one of whom was dead, one of whom came back from like half of the universe's population, whatever nether existence place they went to. Okay. What did you get? You got nine episodes, a little less than six hours of story with all these connections. This wasn't a self-contained story. Uh, it's going to spread into several other types of stories. And if you didn't have a good time, I'm sorry. The rest of the world continues to talk about this. And I think this is going to be a show that, you know, so now this is on Disney Plus for all time. Same as The Mandalorian is, Matt, where I must hear a couple times a week through social media, people starting The Mandalorian that are Star Wars fans that haven't been to this point. And then that becomes a point of origin for them checking out our podcasts on it becoming part of the conversation okay you can start it or you can pick it up at any time i feel there's a real gatekeeping aspect too but you were going to give me this because it seemed like you were going to give me this but you didn't give me the thing that i thought you were going to give me thereby you have robbed me i'll add to that i think that um I, it's interesting that I is there some of that for WandaVision? Absolutely. I think some of the some of the newer so, let me do this way. Some of the fans who aren't you know uh, comic stack basement dwellers and whatnot who have responded to other elements of this show, like look, it is about a woman trying to navigate through major challenges in the world, like death of a loved one and uh, parenthood and being in a marriage and things like that. Um, I think maybe people have responded to those aspects of the show, which I would argue are the core aspects of the show. Um, they're complaining a little bit less that, you know, kind of like the last Jediization. You know, I worked really hard on my hyped up blog piece and you proved me wrong. Therefore, I must be angry about it and also write about it. Um, I think there's less of that going on. And I think that, you know, again, that's a credit to the the overall design, which is telling different kinds of stories. Yes, we're, we're always going to get people flying against green screen, uh, and they're going to be shooting things from their heads or their hands, uh, or in, in some point in the near future, they, they will be shooting things out of their eyes, and you know they will fly through levitation or through arc reactors, or in the near future, perhaps angel wings or whatever it might be. But it's how you present those stories, and that's, that's what so many people have responded to it's been not just the theory journey but it's been i mean my goodness pete i think back to season one of agents of shield i think the name of the episode is the well it's the the lone jonathan frakes directed episode and it was very clear there in one of the fight scenes where you know 
boys with muscles fight boys with muscles, and boys with less muscles fight less muscly boys, and women must only fight women. You don't get that in this show. I mean, for anybody who was like, but Mephisto, you know, I mean, week after week, the Mephisto theory got beat down a little bit more, a little bit more as Mephisto didn't show up. Can we look back now and say the show is better having had a female protagonist and a female antagonist and could Mephisto still show up, especially in Doctor Strange and so on? Sure. This show is better having had Agatha stand on her own two feet with no man behind her needing to prop her up. Wanda is better for the same. In fact, Wanda propping up her man all but literally. Um, <laughs> and indeed, Pete, he had been completely horizontal and then she propped him up with magic and whatnot. So we're better as a result of that, even if... Yes. But, but, but... I look, you know, but, but, but I have Mephisto's first appearance in Strange Tales from 1974. It should have been him all along. The the show is far more complex and interesting for the references that there's a Grim Reaper uh, outfit in the second episode and that never comes to fruition again, that you didn't give me what you promised me. Really, the a blink and you missed it reference is a promise. I think you need to look up the word promise. Um, the show was entertaining from start to finish. The the rabid nature uh, it it shut down Disney Plus again in the wee hours of Friday. Thankfully, Matt and I did not experience it, but we know from viewers that did. Um, that tells you the demand. You have another show in less than two weeks. You're going to get one not long after that. Hopefully, Matt, we're going to get this thing called a theatrical film. In between the two of those, whether it is in physical places and, you know, you got your vaccination and you're not going to bring anything back to to anybody uh, you, you love or you're around or... Like I'm really advocating, it's time for Marvel to take the the Disney Plus uh, pay option and roll that one out. Uh, but th- there's plenty more coming. There's more conversation ahead. I I really don't think people should be having a bad taste in their mouth with WandaVision. If anything, the opposite which is what makes something like the final tag scene in this episode. I mean, Matt, for a couple seconds, I'm like, she's going to go in that house and Michael Fassbender is going to be in there. Yeah, and I think, look, we these post-credit scenes have varying levels of sizzle to them. Um was it Age of Ultron? No. Whatever the one was that ends up being Tony Stark giving an emotional confession to to uh, Bruce Banner and Bruce Banner's falling asleep. Like, that that was probably the flattest falling one, but also was at a point where it was... That was after Iron Man 3. Okay. Um, that was also at a time, too, where it's like, hey, we're not always going to give you Nick Fury expanding the universe, Avengers Initiative. Sometimes it's just going to be a little chocolate at the end of the at the end of the meal um but my point being i think we're so prepped for these scenes to be the most amazing thing ever and it's okay sometimes to just say it 
they still are kind of secret scenes. Um, I mean, people know to look for them, and we've we've talked on the Marvel movie podcast about how you go back to a certain time and half the theater would leave and then, you know, three quarters would stay. And at the end of Endgame, like, I think we counted, like, five people got up and left. Or, or Infinity War, one of the two. Because I think in Endgame they had it posted, there is no uh, deleted scene. Please leave the theater at the conclusion of the movie. But, like, just point being, people now know to stay. But it still is kind of this discovery thing of, oh, I found a thing. And it doesn't need to be the end-all and be-all. What it needs to do is to keep you interested in what comes next i think of uh the ant playing the drums at the end of ant-man and the wasp yes it's a haha but it's also like and everyone is gone and you go oh it's a haha but because i get to leave i get to go to my car now and feel good about the movie but i feel bad about everybody who lives in the mcu next time i'll find out more same thing here what's the next time i can't wait to find out more even if it is a year from now so we speculated there would be more than one uh, post credit scene, we got to what did it directly hand off to TV, film, both? I think multiple projects on top of that. The first one here, Secret Invasion and Captain Marvel. The second one, Multiverse of, of Madness for certain. Possibly some other ideas that may even not be prescient to us at this point. Yeah, and I think that I continue to think in the last couple weeks, I've continued to think about the anecdote um, from Ant-Man and the Wasp, the the commentary track where uh, Peyton Reed says, you know, they're writing the best Ant-Man and the Wasp story they could come up with. And at a certain point, word came down from Marvel, um, give the daughter, give Cassie a cat. And so she had a cat in some of the scenes and, you know, she has to interact with the cat so people know she has a cat. Okay, got it. Then at a certain point, they were told, oh, we don't need the cat anymore. Get rid of it. He was never told why they needed a cat, why she needed a cat. He was never told why they got rid of it. He then goes to see Endgame or, you know, he's involved a little bit behind the scenes with the knowledge. But at a certain point for Endgame, he goes, oh, the rat lets Ant-Man out of the van and it's a random rat that we all just kind of accept as it's a random rat. Got it. Peyton Reed says, I think that used to be the cat. Somehow, they were looking for a thing. Same thing with these deleted scenes here. Yes, because we remember what we've been told at the Investor Day and at Comic-Con and so forth, we know to look for these things. Is it automatically locked in 100% as that FBI agent is uh, Kid Scroll from Captain Marvel 2 and da-da-da-da? It's giving... It's giving, it's leaving the light on. It's giving some space to say, and this person is going to connect to some stuff that we're thinking about. It's not necessarily the 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 lifelong soulmate story wise. It's just a, a a jumping off point to the next thing. And Marvel's done both. They've done the Avengers initiative. They've even done another post credit scene where here's how we named it avenger initiative and then they've done the hey you know it'd be really cool after our premiere here let's go down the street and film a post-credit scene so they've done the uh spontaneous they've done the grand plan um can we agree that these are more grand plan uh down the road uh projects but but still 
relatively close in the offing. All right, you're going to get Multiverse of Madness next spring. You're going to get Secret Invasion. Uh, if it begins filming in April, I see no reason why a, a year from start that hasn't aired. Okay, so one year on your, your post-credits. Again, you have a new show in two weeks. Okay, you'll have another one in June projecting one in the end of the summer, one in the fall, four movies scattered throughout. There's plenty more story where this is going. There should be no reason for uh, sour feelings or a hangover to this story other than, you know what? I just had a, a super great meal. I'm going to take a little nap and then Falcon and the Winter Soldier is going to be on my Disney+. Plus. Yeah, and while I don't think, oh, I think it'll be difficult for uh, Marvel to provide Disney Plus with new content every month, twelve months a year, um, in part because there's other, you know, um, whatever you want to call it, other other five star top tier things, you know, whether it's from the Star Wars universe or whatever it might be. But just looking at the calendar as it is. We had new WandaVisions in January and February and March. We have new Falcon and the Winter Soldiers in March and April. Um, we're getting new Marvel Studios content in Black Widow in May. Whether that stays 100% theatrical or my pet theory, it's a two or three week exclusive window and then moves to premiere um, on Disney+. Plus. But regardless, we know that we're getting new Loki in June and it'll conclude in July. Uh, the What If cartoon, um, which I think people are not quite as excited as uh, compared to live action, but that will be new on Disney Plus in the summer as well. So can we just, say just wait for the Chadwick Boseman Black Panther becomes Star Lord one, okay? Because whatever Friday that's going to come out, that's going to dominate that weekend. Yeah, and and for those not knowing, Pete's not kidding. That's one of the What If animated. Okay. What if scenarios, like, yeah. Sign me up right now. Chad, it, it, it will, with all respect and legitimacy, it will be the final screen yeah. appearance of Chadwick Boseman, albeit voice only, but it will be the final appearance. Okay, um, and that's just one of several of those. You know, the the one with, I think, the second most buzz, distantly, but, but still up there, is, you know, what if Peggy got the super soldier serum instead? Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna have fun with that. I I know we've had a couple, you know, Matt to my chagrin locking us in, you know, posts the podcast schedule, uh, and and doesn't include what if, and people are like, what if Fantastic Geek doesn't do what if? Listen, we're just leaving a little wiggle room. We don't know we don't know what the Star <laughs> Trek end of things sleep? is. Come on, if. Theoretically, that's when theoretically we'd have there's a there's a theoretical scenario where July includes the end of Loki, what if, countdown to Ms. Marvel, uh, a Star Trek series and Shang Chi, uh, particularly as we yeah. So look, these are good problems to have. Um, and maybe we'll be going places. Yeah, uh, maybe our own hex walls will will come down. Um, Pete, a lot of theorize about the MCU future. Any 
any kind of final theory thoughts here for 109. Of course, we're going to continue the discussion to a certain degree, theory-wise, next week in our season wrap. Um, but any kind of any other thoughts here for for theories uh, that we're focused on right now? So where does white vision go? Pete, I think you've hit the nail on the head that if we're going to treat white vision solely as a real character, like no no kind of story needs, just where is he going to go to search? I think it would make sense to go to some of the people who have been involved in the creation of prior versions of vision um whether that's bruce banner uh whether that's uh roadie whatever it might be then you factor in some of the story needs you know if it's not secret invasion and samuel L. jackson um which production wise would line up nicely um it, you know or if it's not um i mean captain marvel 2 probably not but i mean there, there's plenty of story space where he can end up Wars. i really do yeah, which is, I feel like Armor Wars is, on the one hand, it's a bit of a ways off. But again, we introduced um, we introduced Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver in 2013, and we just got an end to their stories uh, on Friday. You know, uh, obviously uh, a little, uh, you know, less so with Quicksilver and the fake Ralph fake out and all that. But just point being... We got a long game to plan for here, so so I think that's a that's a really logical endpoint as well. Or dare I say endpoint, Pete? Another hello point for him. So what is next for Vision? Does White Vision become the vision of this universe? I mean, Matt, is is he, you know, catching a, a paint job someplace right now? Will it be the same? Will it be different in some way does it lead to some kind of awkwardness between him and wanda well you're not the guy that i had these adventures with but wait wanda let me tell you about the ship of theseus what's interesting in thinking about an answer to that question is if they're not going to do another wanda vision season which all signs certainly point to now of course could the characters return in another form in another long form format in another show and and you know not be problematic for the emmys or or whatever it might be sure absolutely the characters can continue do i see what that wanda guest is a guest star for three episodes of armor wars in three years to continue it i mean it it could work it could happen um I, I feel that far out, I have a little trouble kind of imagining it all, but I think it's I think it's possible. I don't think they're going to explore a ton of that in the movies. I think, unfortunately, the movie slate moving forward, um, Scarlet Witch and Vision are still going to continue to be supporting characters and kind of emotional small potatoes. Um, like, for example, what are you going to do? Give them a half-hour story arc in... Captain Marvel 2? Like, where would it fit in exactly? Um, but I, I think in the TV space it would be better, even if it is just, surprise, we're not doing WandaVision Season 2, but wait until you see Wanda and Vision help solve a problem in the Ms. Marvel finale or something like that. Well, from the future of the Marvel Universe, Matt, to the past, present, and future of Fantastic Geek, you want to get yourself over to patreon.com slash fantasticgeek.com 
and check out all the offerings. Indeed, Pete, we are so thrilled to continue to be listener supported and to have had people join uh, more recently to join that support. Uh, you know, real world costs go on behind the scenes, and uh, we're just so, so thrilled to have people helping us out with that. So our thanks, as always, to those who have gone or those who will check out patreon.com slash fantastic geek. Whether it's a uh, exclusive, something you can only get behind that door, cost you just a dollar a month to get there. We'd ask you, though, what price do you put on this content? And you get to pick that. Uh, if not an exclusive, something you might get an early listen to or some other special type of situation. So grateful for everybody who goes to patreon.com slash fantastic geek, not in a position to contribute right now. No problem. Get over to Apple podcasts where for the price of nothing, you can click a rating and Matt WandaVision in the seven weeks we've done. This has become Oddly, the most rated thing we have ever done uh, that's on Apple Podcasts. This having, uh, you know, come after seven seasons of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and something that, you know, we have hundreds of thousands of listens to. Uh, So we really want to thank our audience for that. But you know what? Let's run it up. And then let's do that for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We have found so many new listeners with this, and we would certainly hope that that would continue. And you, listener, are part of helping that to happen. You want to go where people know people are all the same. You want to go where everybody knows your name. Last call to share your thoughts. And Pete, we start with some direct messages on twitter this first one here from captain noel gardner who says as follows uh i hope we get more darcy and woo the door is still open to revisit agatha hayward better end up in jail we've got a scroll not sure if it was talos's daughter definitely wasn't the engineer love that vision versus vision ended with a theoretical debate wanda made the right decision to stop the hex but it will cause her more grief she's got the dark hold with no teacher White Vision now has his memories, but where did he go? Does Wu's missing witness really matter? Dottie's reveal and trying to negotiate with Wanda using her kids was touching. Feature was Ralph, just not important. So Pete, what's your answer to some of those questions there? Where did Vision go? Does Wu's witness matter? And uh, Fiatro was just Fiatro, right? Well, I think we've spoken a lot to where White Vision may be headed. As far as Wu's witness and did it matter, um, here's what I'm going to propose. Why can't Ralph be Wu's witness? Uh, You know, I like that as an answer. Um, And I don't know. I'm not trying to take a victory lap here. I think that we did a good job for much of many of these theory type things. We did a good job saying this could be a really rich hint or this could be a story function. And I know that right. one of So Matt's teeing me up right now to to get taken to the woodshed on uh I, I didn't treat it as as theory. I, I made it gospel that the man and woman in the commercials were Wanda's parents. So all right, Matt, paddle me now. 
Pete, no, I was listen. I, I, all no, I was no, going to say is this: it's cool, man. It's cool. Pete, Pete was overzealous in that. Okay, I'm um, speaking of myself in the third person. But you know what? I I think part of this is having enough fun to get it wrong, and then it, it's okay to get it wrong. All right, not instead of the the YouTube mentality of. Well, I said that Supreme Leader Snoke was really the child of Darth Vader and somebody we never saw. And the Emperor uh, gave him a loving home. But, you know, instead he was hit with lightning and now he has a scar in his head, which he's also Ezra from Star Wars Rebels and five other characters. And that's my Snoke theory. Uh, you're OK to be wrong. And you know what? It doesn't wreck a story if what you theorize doesn't come to pass. It just wasn't the way that it went. The same way that if you happen to land on something that does happen and you knew it all along, um, also doesn't put you in the writer's room. I was just trying to point out that we had discussed in Wu's first episode proper. I know he, his voice had appeared in what the second one. Um we had said, you know, so who's this mystery person that he's trying, you know, who's his witness? One thing that we had discussed in the podcast was the show needs to get him from the West Coast to the East Coast. That might just be the function of the witness. It might, yes, it might be the the greatest character ever from on high, or it could just be, we had this guy who was in San Francisco in the last time he showed up. How do we get him here? Uh, something boring, because he's actually an unremarkable agent who we're bringing back because we love the actor and the character was, the character was important, but within the MCU, he's small potatoes. Next up, we hear from Amanda Azar, who also went the Twitter DM route. Hey guys, back again for my post WandaVision thoughts and just wow. This show was such an incredible ride from start to finish. This finale perfectly tees up both Doctor Strange 2 and Captain Marvel 2, both of which I can't wait for. Now to the episode, I am so grateful for this story that we were given showcasing grief and how one copes with that, and super thrilled we got to see that through Wanda's eyes. Highlights. The official Scarlet Witch outfit, it definitely cheered, a moment well worth the buildup. Vision going up against White Vision, but ultimately challenging him with a mental query was awesome. Then unlocking all the memories to White Vision as we, uh, we see flashbacks to the MCU films, and then White Vision flying away can lead some uh, to uh, lead some to hope, which leads to my next point: the goodbye. He is her sadness, her hope, but mostly her love. These writers are really gutting me. The Vision replied. Uh, with Vision replying that they've said goodbye before we'll say hello again, cue White Vision. I don't want to hope too much that Wanda can bring him back, but they're making it hard with scripts like these. Agatha staying in sitcom mode, but Wanda knowing where to find her makes me hopeful and excited that Catherine may continue with the MCU, and we will definitely see these two together again. Wanda is reading The Darkhold. Not only that, she's making tea in one room and Scarlet Witch is reading in the other, meaning she's already used the astral plane. The mention of The Darkhold made my Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fan self freak out. Back in AOS, when Ada read The Darkhold, things went totally haywire. What does that mean for Doctor Strange 2? We obviously know the multiverse is coming with Wanda, seemingly going to search for her twins that she heard in the post credit scene. I just hope she isn't the big bad. I love her so much. 
In summary, I will miss this show and the recaps. It was so fun to have these few weeks theorizing and experiencing the new episodes. All awards to this incredible show, especially Elizabeth Olsen for yet another fantastic performance. And Pete, that's fantastic with a PH. And Amanda closes by saying thanks so much for uh, the work you guys put into this little branch of the podcast. It's been awesome. Well, Amanda, thank you for coming along this adventure with Fantastic Geek. And the adventure continues on Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It certainly does, Pete. It certainly does. And like you said before, that's we'll be doing a final preview of it next weekend. Um, and then two weeks from now, you're listening to the, the first podcast for Falcon episode 101. Next, let's hear from J Philly B. That's at J Philly B for fandom. Uh, and this sent before episode nine dropped. You guys may regret opening your DMs to the way my brain works, but I have a couple of thoughts based on what we've seen, uh, pardon me, been shown during the series. I've not read the comics, so may have missed a lot of clues that would be obvious to comic fans. The Vision and the Twins. This is the sad ending we've been warned about. The only things that have remained intact after having been inside the hex and uh, been ejected are Monica herself, Monica's clothes, sewer guy's uh, lead line, the drones, and the truck. All were uh, altered at the cellular level. They were rewritten. However, we have not seen anything that was created from nothing survive outside the hex, namely the vision. We still don't know the origin of uh, Tommy and Billy. If they were created out of Wanda's grief, part of her dreams for a perfect life with Vision, then they will not survive outside the magical construction of the Hex. I think Agatha knows that Vision and the twins and even Sparky won't survive slash exist outside the Hex, which is why she's been using them to push Wanda into facing the truth and ending the Hex. They've positioned Agatha as the antagonist, but if we take the position that she knows the magic used to create Vision and the twins will not last outside the Hex, then is she really threatening Tommy and Billy's lives at the end of 108, uh, or is she only threatening Wanda's fantasy? Agatha maneuvers Wanda and Vision to push Monica away each time it looks like Monica is about to make a breakthrough with Wanda, but Agatha doesn't use her powers or in any way reveal herself to Monica. We may, we may not like the way Agatha is pushing Wanda and passively sitting by while the residents are affected by the curse, and she may have ulterior motives in learning how Wanda used her magic because Wanda was able to accomplish something Agatha never could with her stolen powers. But I don't think Agatha will end the series uh, as an out-and-out villain. Wanda will have to fix this problem. As the creator, she will have to let Vision and the twins go as part of letting go of the Hex and returning everything in Westview back to its original slate. So Pete, uh, J. Philly B. there, I think by and large, uh, correct about that call, again sent before the uh, uh, before the finale. More from J. Philly B. here, The Scarlet Witch. After episode 108, I started thinking about the Hydra Soak commercial again. On the surface, this commercial seems related to Wanda's time with Hydra when she was a volunteer in their experiments with the Infinity Stone, as well as a reference to the sort of fugue state the Westview residents are in and the fantasy world Wanda has built around them that no one can escape. 
but the tagline for the hydrosoak commercial is find the goodness uh, uh, the goddess within pardon me uh after 108 i think this is also a reference to the scene with wanda being bathed in the yellow glow of the mind stone and seeing the vision of herself as the scarlet witch her inner goddess based on the similarities between the scarlet witch headpiece and the headpiece we saw in agatha's, agatha's mother is there an aspect of magic, a title like Scarlet Witch that gets passed from one witch to the next? Frankly, I would not be surprised to see Dottie come out of her house to confront uh, the scene that ended in 108 and display her uh, and to see her display magic that forms a similar type of headpiece. You don't hire Emma Caulfield as a background player. It's not that kind of show. And Pete, it might have been. I know that Emma Caulfield had a uh, professional connection with uh, Jack Schaefer, um, so it may have been more that. Um, but who knows? Maybe we see more of Emma Caulfield at some point in some capacity in the future. But back to Jay Philly's words here. I also think the finale will end with Wanda going to learn about her chaos, magic, and the mantle of Scarlet Witch that she's been chosen to bear. That will tie into the Doctor Strange universe. The book in Agatha's dungeon, underground lair, basement rec room certainly looks like something Wong could have refused to let leave his library, and maybe we will see him come to retrieve it to return uh, to return it to safekeeping. Maybe he'll be taking a new student along with him at the same time, a student that needs to be protected from those who would try to steal her magic, someone like Mordo. Certainly the magical energy being thrown out by the Hex would attract all sorts of attention, good and bad. J. Philly continues, residential control. It appears that every time Wanda gets distracted, the residents around her are frozen in place or break character and act more like themselves. Mrs. Hart at dinner, frozen in place but begging Wanda to stop. Dottie at the pool, cutting her hand and demanding to know who Wanda is. Monica after the twins were born. Wanda talking about Pietro may have triggered Monica's own grief at losing Maria. The superpowered fight with Monica. Everyone outside was frozen in place, literally. I just don't think that was a uh, surprise holding them all in place. Yes, Wanda's magic was glitching before the fight with Monica, but I think that's because she's being confronted more often with reality and the fantasy isn't working as well for her. I don't think it's ever been an issue of Wanda's power. The residents Vision saw in 106 near Ellis Avenue were all dressed for Halloween. They were out trick-or-treating, not frozen in place, as if they'd been that uh, been like that since day one of the Hex. If it were a power issue, why would Wanda expend magic to dress them up for Halloween? Why not just keep them inside like a bunch of suburban Snow Whites, as Pietro slash Agatha's interrogation implied? We are being led to believe that Wanda's magic is being stretched and isn't strong enough to keep 3,000-plus residents of Westview functioning. I think we're going to find out that it, it was someone else causing the residents near Ellis Ave to freeze in place and, try, uh, and push Vision to try and break out of the hex. I don't think it was Agatha either. I think this is where, uh, where we're going to find out that someone else was inside the hex taking advantage of the situation. Someone like Wu's missing witness... Alas, Pete, I guess we never heard about <laughs> uh, Wu's missing witness, ultimately. Uh, back to Jay Philly here. The birth of a superhero. Watching Monica pass through the Hex's border was a bit on the nose, but what a great origin story for her. But I don't think we'll find out her clever nickname or see her really face what's happened until her next Captain Marvel movie at the earliest. 
Finally, building on my earlier thoughts to meld together, Westview is a sad place before Wanda ever got there. What are the chances that Wu's witness was already pulling energy from the residents and the town itself for some nefarious purposes? If this does get linked to Doctor Strange, and we get a Doctor Strange cameo or Wong, uh, I think it will be when one of them comes to take Wu's witness into custody to put the witness someplace safe and collecting Agatha's book and Wanda along the way. All this being said, I don't care if I'm right about a single thing. I've had a great time watching the show and listening to your pods about it. The fun is in the theorizing and talking about uh, talking to other people about their theories. So your thoughts, Pete. You win some, you lose some, right? And that's just it, Jay Philly B. It, it's about the fun. At the end of the day, a story needs to be told. Wanda brought Vision back. She came to grips with her loss. She let him go. She moved forward. She learned more about herself. Uh, and we will continue with her at some point in the future. We know Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. All these other references. It's a poor experience if they're not there. If you take them away, if we're not all looking at the tea leaves trying to think, what does this mean? What does that mean? At the same time, as a production, they also know what they're doing. Oh, hey, let's put a skull and crossbones between the floors in the credits during the bewitched credits. Let's uh, have this gigantic bug and then have it not be what some people might think it is. That's okay. It doesn't ruin things. It only enhances them. Pete, let's go to Twitter proper here. We had our episode nine poll. Uh, Theory gymnasts, time for you to dismount the event. How did the WandaVision finale stick the landing? Uh, and uh, we'll start. We'll start least crowns to most. Uh, one crown fell short, got five point three percent. Two crowns landed but stumbled, got nine point nine percent. Three crowns, good job, wobbled, got thirty three point six percent. And four crowns, flawless landing, got fifty one point one percent. So definitely down from previous weeks. I think that's what happens when you have a a finale that must end versus you know all the possibilities in the world who's the engineer is it real pietro you know and so forth when you have more more openness you you know you <laughs> and no answers uh that that tends to boost things up uh also maybe the the voting impacted um kind of counterintuitively by some of the open-ended stuff from the finale but regardless let's hear some twitter comments here uh from jor division that's at mighty jor uh, mighty underscore Jor, I should say. This finale really stuck the landing. I think some folks were less satisfied because they had specific expectations based on false leaks or fan theories. One note on Fietro. Uh, he needed to be Evan Peters so we, the audience, would be tricked uh, by him alongside Wanda. Really, really love that take there. That Look, yes, obviously the show did a bit of a cheat with him, um, but the idea that it was a it was a cheat that we were in on because we knew something was up from the beginning. We knew what the options were, that it was, you know, alternate universe or it was not. And I think both of those options were clear. Uh, we heard from Jackie Wolf at Jackie Wolf on Twitter who says, It seems like Pietro was just a kid from New Jersey 
and using Evan Peters was nothing more than a way of misleading loyal fans. I'll never forgive Disney. I'm crushed. Anyway, who's ready for Falcon and the Winter Soldier? So say we all, right? This, this one's going to sting until two weeks from now when the new show starts. Um, next from Brett Desmo Williams at BW Desmo. What's between perfect and wobbled? I guess that'd be a 3.5. Legitimately feels like they stuck it, and I feel like I wanted something I didn't get, which is crazy, right? I say, leave them wanting more, right? Uh, next, we heard from Nathan Noel Edwards. That, uh, pardon me, Nathan Nolan Edwards. Uh, that's at Nolan Edwards, who said, I keep repeating myself. Uh, trust Marvel, trust Marvel. Evan Peters cannot just be a silly coincidence. Would have loved to see a full-out Monica fight sequence and more Darcy totally agree it was incredibly moving i will miss my pals in westview and then in reply to nathan nolan edwards noel gardner says i was a little thrown at the ralph reveal just being a joke but then i was reminded that uh, that there was a character on growing pains named boner the character type kind of fits we heard from Envisioning Wanda. That's at K-C-L-Y-L-E-1. Fantastic finale. Two PHs there. I would have liked to see more Darcy. Uh, not uh, not overall loved it. Maybe it's supposed to be yet overall loved it. Ties up the Hex and family stories, but left open that she's not done yet. Also leaves open some more Agnes. Great job with the costume without getting two comics, which they already showed us. Plus, we don't know what happened to Vision. Obviously, that story can't be done. Still hold out hope Wanda can bring uh, back her Vision. So much to say, but still early. Don't want to spoil things. Uh, this, of course, sent on the day that uh, that the finale dropped. Uh, we heard from Andre Yeager. That's at Dr. Pole in 1983. Very emotional conclusion to the show. She was still heartbroken at the end, but I believe she partially reached the acceptance phase of depression. The final after credit scene proved to me that she was still looking for alternatives. Still lots of questions went unanswered. LMD Mary, that's at Geek Kirk, says, I love all the theorizing, but I'm speechless with joy over the story I was given. So many emotions. I think that's, that's you know, the the theory part was part of the, the ride up the mountain, and then, you know, it's it's the, the character emotions that take us home. Uh, we heard again from Noel Gardner. I loved it. It was heart-wrenching and wonderful. I don't know uh, about others, but I did see uh, one of the, quote, cameos, kind of, wink, wink. Um, and the uh, uh, Noel clarifying the cameo is more like an uh, imitation or an homage. Uh, we heard from Hail Hydra. That's at Hydra underscore lives. I was hoping for some big cameo, but all along it was a personal story about Wanda's grief and the consequences of how she chose to deal with it. Everything else was background threads in the larger MCU. Very well done, but where is White Vision now? Uh, the big to be continued, right? Uh, we heard a tweet from J Philly B. That's at J Philly B for fandom. I really loved it. It told exactly the story they wanted with a few loose ends that I hope uh, we get to see resolved down the road. Any track record for people pulled from the multiverse hiding or forgetting their true identity? Looking at you, boner. <laughs> uh, we heard from Spider Ham Lincoln. That's at Tess LC139. All the hype and buildup and predictions as this series progressed kind of did a disservice to the finale. Agatha was the only villain, with no higher purpose shown to be manipulating her. There was no aerospace engineer surprise reveal or an awesome or unexpected cameo to be seen, Doctor Strange, for example. Hayward was just a government baddie who ended up in FBI custody. The fake Pietro was just some kid named Boner, the ultimate MCU trolling of the audience. Um, maybe... 
maybe Pete, we need to start using the phrase the boner troll here. I don't know. Uh, but there was no hint of a multiverse when it was all said and, uh, and when it was all said and done, Wanda pushed the reset button and flew away. Now, having said that, there were some fantastic, with a PH Pete, things about this episode and the series as a whole, and a lot of loose threads left untied. Vision lives. Where did he go? When will we see him next? Monica Rambeau. We saw more of her power and her meeting with a scroll. Um, will surely lead to another meeting with Nick Fury in space. Definitely a lead-in for Captain Marvel 2. Billy and Tommy don't seem to be done for good, as we and Wanda hear them in the second post credit scene. How do we end up with two Wandas at the end? Curious. It was truly a great series. Thanks to Fantastic Geek for all the great podcasts. Bring on Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And a reminder there, of course, we got our Falcon and the Winter Soldier podcast revving up, ready to go on FantasticGeek.com and Apple Podcasts and so forth. Uh, Spider-Ham Lincoln, though, does wrap up two Wandas. One was an astral plane form, I guess, but from what I know of fictional astral projection, the physical form is usually in a meditative state of sorts, not walking around drinking coffee. Still, this is comics. They can do what they want. Uh, And to that, Noelle Gardner uh, replied, I was thinking she has enough power to be a little active while astral projecting. She was just sitting on the front porch drinking tea. Uh, I guess there's a whole tea versus coffee debate there. I don't know. Are you a Janeway or a Picard? Can we really get the multiverse? Anyhow, we heard also from David Siller. That's at Siller David Poet. I don't know if the poetry of this poll was inspired by the metaphor I used for the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. finale, but I'm running with it. WandaVision was exactly what it needed to be. Loved every episode. Pete, was it inspired or was it a coincidence? I guess uh, I guess David will have to to ponder that. Uh, we heard from Heather Bixler, that's at Nerdy Trivia Girl. This has been a great ride, both with Marvel and Fantastic Geek. The ending worked well for me, despite not getting a single multiverse or mutant yet. I love that Olsen and Bettany got such a great opportunity to act these roles in new ways, and that we'll likely see more of them soon. Luffy D. Goat, who's at Snitch on These, said, It's all connected. Ever true. Uh, Kate, that's at Lady Kate Blackett, said, How is Agatha confined to Westview if it's dismantled? Where is White Vision? Uh, and I think it might be one of those, well, where's White Vision? That's a, certainly a wide to be continued. Uh, as for Agatha being confined, maybe there's just a little bit of magic left there. Um, or her personality remains, that sort of thing. Uh, we heard from Tara James. It's at Lula May, M-A-E, 1914. Finales that leave more questions than answers are nerve-wracking, but I enjoyed it. Uh, and we had a little back and forth on Twitter on who the lady with the uh, green ears was and connection to the scrolls and so forth. And uh, that discussion was wrapped up by LMD Mary, of course, Geek Kirk, also a friend of Nick Fury, who last we saw was on a scroll space station. So, Pete, tons of enthusiasm on Twitter for this episode. Yes, I mean, so much discussion on Twitter, on our Facebook page. I mean, people are so enthusiastic. Matt, I wonder if it could be more for Falcon and the Winter Soldier, even though it it would seem it can be. Next up, Pete, we hear a voicemail in two parts from a different Amanda, this time Amanda Martinez-Beck. Hey, uh, y'all. I left a previous message, but I got kicked off because I talked for too long. This is Amanda Martinez-Beck, and I love your podcast, especially how 
y'all are not really arrogant about your Marvel knowledge like other podcasts. And I had wondered if there was something behind the wrong episode title um, and, and number that Wanda remembers in the episode eight previously on about the Dick Van Dyke show. So I went back and watched season two, episode 21, even though the episode they showed in the show was episode 20. And it's all about Rob Petrie trying to buy his friend's love and affection with the things he does. And he realizes that over the course of the episode that he does try to win other people over and keep them in their lives, in his life, by being um, super generous. And at the end of the episode, he talks to Richie, his son, who's been doing the same thing, trying to win other people's love by their actions. And Richie's like, I'm going to go play with my friend because she loves me for me, not because what I give her. And at that moment, I just thought about Wanda and Vision and their relationship. And I don't know a ton about the Marvel Universe, but I do know a lot about trauma and that when someone's experienced trauma, it affects, one, how they remember things, but two, how they feel worthy of love. And I think Wanda has been trying her whole life since uh, her parents were killed to prove that she's worthy of love. But Vision loved her just for what she was, and she doesn't have to buy his love. And I think that's a really powerful moment. And memories mixed up with trauma. And I think that specific detail is telling us Wanda is reinterpreting her memories because of her trauma, and it's, that would explain the discrepancy between Pietro saying they're at dinner when their parents die versus watching TV in Wanda's memory. Love the show. Thanks so much. Well, thank you so much, Amanda. I mean, it just means so much that, uh, you know, people listen to us. I mean, Matt and I, we've been doing this, you know, more than just – fantastic geek we go back a little bit longer with that but you know the people who have been with us from the beginning the new people who have come along uh just so special that uh you know you would connect with us and you know the the comment about being down to earth i i think that's something that you know we really take a lot of pride in we're not here to tell you you're not a marvel fan if insert statement uh, guess what? You are a Marvel fan. Uh, Matt has a goatee. He will now do the sign of the cross. You're an Avenger now. You are a fan with a PH now. But I think to your point here, Amanda, and, and very well said that trauma does affect memory. And I think the show is making a statement about it, whether it is, you know what, the in turn that we assigned to look up that episode number and give to a production assistant. And that may have been inaccurate. I do think there is an absolute thread of memory and traumatic events and the idea, well, when do we remember best at moments when we were highly emotionally charged and for Wanda now with vision 
who loves her just the way she is for who she is. And that worthiness that, that you spoke about, I, I think that is absolutely a, a through line of their story of this story. And, uh, you know, the, this universe also does allow for the idea that, hey, whatever details might be presented differently to speculate whether what you're seeing or not actually happened or if it's an alternate version as these next several Marvel stories are going to explore. So, I mean, I I feel like a meme, you know, when I'm saying why not both, but I really like the in episode presented information that the, the trauma of having gone through this, well, yeah, you, you can remember things inaccurately because your mind is on heavier events. Last bit of correspondence on this end, Pete. We go to the Gmail, fantasticgeek@gmail.com, and the writer of this email wanted to keep uh, to keep themselves uh, anonymous. And I must confess, I was a little unclear as to whether their signed name was the nom de plure or the kind of you know, you know how Gmail has your your name name at the top of of it. So I will just call this person the anonymous doctor, and uh, and she writes as follows: I think they stuck the landing. I can imagine why hardcore fans are disappointed, but for a more casual fan, I think the show did exactly what they needed to do. Wrapped up all the emotional threads, really strong character development that will get us more invested in the characters for the films, which are more centered on action. Powered up key characters, Wanda, Monica, White Vision, left us wanting more. This is still a TV show. They're going to see more in the films. That's the draw. As I said, I'm a casual fan. I'd seen the Avengers films and some of the standalones, but missed or forgot about most of your Iron Man 3s and Winter Soldiers. I didn't give a crap about Wanda and Vision in Infinity War. I thought they were totally random. After Endgame, I felt I was done with superhero flicks. But uh, as I got hooked on the show, first I first rewatched Ultron, then started making my way through the whole MCU catalog. This is exactly what Marvel slash Disney wanted. Smart. Other spare thoughts. Not mad about the Evan Peters thing. I thought it was a clever nod, and I kind of liked the trolling. I have mixed feelings about White Vision being out there. Didn't want to see Viz die again, but I, uh, but I also thought it would be cheap to resurrect him. To have him evolve into kind of a different iteration as WandaVision Vision hinted at, I could grow to like it, but it depends on how he's portrayed in future projects. I'm also not mad Mephisto wasn't revealed. Another baddie would have overloaded the show. Grief as the central baddie with Agatha egging things on was more than enough. I think he'll show up related to the second uh, credit scene. I'm pretty sure the boys in Mephisto are involved with Doctor Strange too. Other misdirects, like Dottie was hinted as a powerful character. Again, Marvel knew what they were doing here. That's why they took the time to explain who she really was. Instead of being mad that fan theories didn't work out, I suggest fans think of it as a part of an Agatha Christie, Knives Out style whodunit. You need some misdirects to keep the audience on their toes, but ultimately the quality of a show rests not on its tricks, wish Westworld knew this, so true, anonymous doctor, but how the fuller story unfolds and how the characters develop. My only mild disappointment is how Monica uh, and Darcy faded out at the end of the series. Yes, but that's how side characters work in the MCU, until they get their own feature. 
ultimately, the show rocked. The performances rocked. Loved the journey through retro TV land. Badass women everywhere. And I can't wait to see where Elizabeth Olsen takes this character next. Stay fantastic with the PH, says the author that I am calling the Anonymous Doctor. So your thoughts there, Pete, on the idea of this kind of uh, Agatha Christie knives out. It's about the twists and turns. It's about the characters. It's not about the theories. Yeah, I, I just think that, you know, we have listeners who understand how the game is played and that you can have fun with it. And it doesn't wreck your enjoyment of a thing if everything you thought about a thing didn't come true. Pete, what listener thoughts do you have over there on Facebook? Steve Adams writes into the Fantastic Geek Facebook page. Tayana Paris was right. The series did not have a happy ending, but it wasn't a tragic ending either. This ending was necessary. This ending was as realistic as it could be in this genre. Vision survives, but without emotions. However, with memories, can emotion be far behind? We can be certain we will see him again. Perhaps I was hearing things, but did I hear James Spader's voice superimposed on Paul Bettany's voice when White Vision spoke? Is Wanda truly more powerful than Doctor Strange? What is the story of the Darkhold? How does it just seem to randomly reappear? Will we eventually see the Darkhold redeemers, perhaps in Blade? How will the Westview anomaly affect the MCU and its heroes going forward? The mid credit scene raises the possibility of seeing Monica in Secret Invasion, as well as Captain Marvel 2. And the end credit scene raises many horrifying possibilities. Will Wanda's descent continue? Is she in Doctor Strange 2 because she is the villain, at least at first? And I have to say, I absolutely love Wanda's new costume. What a way to start the Marvel slate on Disney+. Plus! This was incredible. I hate to see it end, but you know what they say. Always leave them wanting more. And I want more. Until Falcon and the Winter Soldier stay fantastic. Steve, good question there about uh, the inclusion of James Spader's voice. I know that one of the... One of the theories that I don't think we ever discussed on the podcast, probably because it smelled a little fishy and ultimately was, uh, you know, it was, um, I, I've heard that James Spader is going to be in it. I've heard that uh, that um, Josh Brolin is going to be in the, mo- in the show and, and whatnot. I had just thought, well, they might appear via footage. I'll, I'll tell you this much, uh, Steve, and I'll tell you this much, Pete. IMDb, as of today does not have James Spader as credited uh, for this. Would it have been a cool... I think there there is an interesting story backtrack kind of thing where as you reboot um, the Vision uh, robot and roll back some of the iOS or whatever it might be, that there might be some Ultron in there. It It's a cool idea. Is it worth the trouble of getting... Uh, James Spader and then wait is this Ultron is this Ultron 2 is this Ultron's kid I think it's probably it was just a voice filter um I feel like that's the easiest way to make white vision sound different um but 
Yeah, just because I think the possibilities of, well, you actually got James Spader, what does that mean? If it's not meant to mean anything, it's maybe not worth the trouble if you're Marvel. But who knows? Robert T. Frost writes in to the Fantastic Eight Facebook page. Hello, Matt and Pete. What an absolutely amazing show we just experienced. The writing, production, and especially the acting lifted this show way beyond the moniker of comic books and the perception of being only for children. I don't want to take anything away from Elizabeth Olsen because her performance was out of this world. She should be nominated for an Emmy at the very least, but I was blown away by Paul Bettany, especially in this last episode, the delivery, the energy, the simple facial movements and contortions that made vision and white vision so different. Using philosophy as your weapon, only vision could do that. I don't know if they wrote the best lines for Bettany, but his performance certainly made them so. Incredibles stance. I placed uh, WandaVision up with only one other series of this high quality, and that is The Watchmen. Both share my all-time number one spot and will for a long, long time to come. There's only one way to finish my review of WandaVision. Flourish, your friend, Bob. Um, in that scene, by the way, Bob, uh, the, when the movie theater is finally returned to its unimpacted uh, state, uh, or was it unimpacted? At some point in uh, at some point in the town square, it actually might have been before the hex is finally lifted. The movie playing, why it's Disney's own Oz the Great and Powerful, you know, about a magician and so forth, and directed by Sam Raimi, the director of uh, Doctor Strange too, and it's just the snake eating its own tail while it eats itself and so forth. What else do you have from Facebook, Pete? Joshua McBride writes in, Hi guys, new to the podcast and don't do Twitter, so I thought I'd leave a message here about WandaVision. I have two questions, a theory and an Easter egg you may have missed, or maybe it was obvious to everyone, and like a BuzzFeed article, I just think I'm smarter than I am. (laughs) Uh, Question one, what happened to White Vision after Hex Vision gave him his memories back? You would think after getting his memories back, he would have stuck around to help Wanda, but no, he just flies off. I think he is probably fighting his new program to kill Wanda and the Vision, and so took off somewhere uh, safe to deal with that. Question two, what happened to the guy in the beekeeper suit? Seemed like a lot of setup for, hey, rewind the last few minutes and we'll never see him again. It just feels like they were going somewhere with that, then nothing. Okay, my theory on everyone's favorite engineer is that everyone was right, and it was Reed Richards, but we won't get the payoff until the Fantastic Four movie where Monica slash Photon will ask to borrow something from Reed, and he'll reply with, last time I loaned you something, It was half a minivan when I got it back, or something like that. And finally, the Easter egg. In episode seven, we get our first mid-credit, end-credit scene. Episode seven being the late 2000s, early 2010s era of the WandaVision sitcom. 
the same that Marvel started uh, putting end credit scenes in all their movies being the late 2000s, early 2010. Just the thought that was interesting. Anyway, cheers and keep up the good work. Bring on Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, as for the beekeeper, I would agree. Um, I think we can all love the show and say we were never given any answer at all. Like, was he ejected and dead? Was he puffed out of existence? Did he, you know, did he survive somehow in the in-show story and then, you know, then got, I don't know, redemption or something? Maybe this is another case where I might give the show a little extra latitude. Um, maybe they had plans to shoot him okay uh, in the town square and for whatever COVID-related reason that that that, that, um, that impacted things. If that's the case, so be it. If that's what we find out. If it was not the case at all and they just forgot, well, shame on them. As for the idea that the engineer, which still is a rough, a rough burr, right? I feel like that was not satisfactorily answered just oh i have a friend who can give me a thing to help with this the, the story um i love it that it's going to remain a rough spot until disney catches its own or marvel rather catches its own boomerang and says you thought we forgot boom it's better than you ever imagined so i i love uh joshua's explanation of that and if feige's listening and we know he has hi just- kev just just take what Joshua's written here. Uh, John Watts put put it in there. Give him credit, okay? In the uh, story by and and there you go. On the beekeeper, Matt. Here's the answer on the beekeeper. Agent Franklin went in. It it seemed like a big deal beekeeper when we first saw him. Beekeeper. We now know how he became the beekeeper. It turned into the uh, suit. Uh, in the hex. Uh, also, it was a non-important storyline. Yes, there is a comics beekeeper, and there's all sorts of drama there. Uh, however, they still gave you the nod to that. So they could not have done it, and you never had it, or you had it, and it connects. I think it's a whole lot better the way that it is. We don't need the story of... And the guy who became the beekeeper went back to being Agent Franklin and not the beekeeper anymore. Uh, it It's assumed it's also not his story, and it wasn't a big, huge thing. He was one of the early, well, no, we're going to rewind this. That didn't happen. Someone from the outside will not intrude on this idyllic town um, you know, family setup that Wanda has made for Vision and eventually their children. Pete, what else do you have? Gavin Monahan, Matt, writes in an email. Thank you for shouting me out in your most recent podcast. I had listened up to the tweets, but stopped right before the part where you mentioned me. It was really awesome. I have a quick thing to point out. If you James Spader, the voice of Ultron, comes up. My leading theory is that Ultron is secretly Hayward. I will be up at 5 a.m. tomorrow to watch the newest episode. Love the podcast. Thank you again. Pete, we 
are happy to always shout out the people who reach out to us. Uh, yes, that uh, does take a little bit more time in the recording process, but it is our absolute joy to, to share everybody's voice here in the conversation. And of course, the conversation will continue next week as we look back uh, at uh, the series, do do kind of a series wrap podcast. Uh, so we'll be, uh, I'm sure we'll be putting out on social media, you know, a, a call for people to share their thoughts uh, over all nine episodes. And I'll just add to that, Pete, though that will bring to an end our weekly WandaVision podcasts, we all expect a hearty uh, Emmy outing and award season outing um, this summer into the fall for the show. So, you know, do stay subscribed. We're going to continue to talk about this show as circumstances warrant but uh certainly as i said pete the conversation continuing next week how can people be in touch with you you find me on twitter at peter p-i-e-t-e-r-j-k-e-t-e-l-a-a-r 11,837 followers can't be wrong and while i'm personally on twitter is looking back lost do be in touch with the podcast comment on fantasticgeek.com check us out on twitter instagram gmail where we are fantastic geek as well but wait pete there's more Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with a PH, all one word. Like it today. As I said earlier, Pete, next weekend we'll bring not only the WandaVision series wrap podcast, but also a final preview for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So for everybody who's joined us along the way here, we hope you stay with us for Falcon and beyond. Bokeem is Marvel and so forth. For now, though, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final episode nine word. If only you had a little more vision. Then I saw her face. Now I'm a believer. Not a trace of doubt in my mind. I'm in love. And I'm a believer. I couldn't leave her if I tried, no, not if I tried.